There's a great passage that we're going to look at today, and, and I'd love for you to turn in, in the book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We are going to look at verses 10 through 15 today. How many of you been here, have been here since Acts chapter 1, verse 1? Raise your hand. Nice. Good job. Just half of the room. It's good. Acts chapter 17, starting with verse 10. Let's stand up. I'll read and uh, just follow along verses 10 through 15. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul uh, brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, God, thank you for, for giving it to us. Thanks for putting it into our hands, Lord. Um, God, I pray that today you would speak um, through me, uh, and God, you would use your word, speak through your word uh, as you promised to do, and that you would put it in our hearts, not just in our hands, and that we would long for it, that we would crave it, and that we would live um, to feast on your word and to know it and live by it, God. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, it starts off, um, we're just coming off of, of last week, looking at uh, verses 1 through 9, where Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica, uh, preaching and, and explaining and, and, and trying to prove to them uh, that it was necessary, remember, for, for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and that Christ was uh, Jesus. You know, he, Jesus was the Christ. And this uproar takes place, right? And, uh, and in the midst of that, Paul and Silas, they leave and, and, uh, and, and come to Berea. And that's where we uh, pick up today. It says that Paul and Silas in verse 10, they, they're sent to Berea. That's because of the persecution that's going on in Thessalonica. Um, but I want you to look at, at verse um, 11. It says in verse 10 that when they get there, this is normal for, for Paul and Silas. This is normal uh, what we find them doing. They go where? To the synagogue, right? They find the synagogue and they teach, uh, and they go there to, to, to tell the gospel. And so uh, on coming to the synagogue, it says that in verse 11, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now, that's important, I think. Um, if we find in Scripture that it says that anyone is more noble, we should probably find out why. Uh, we should probably want to know why. And it tells us, thankfully, in this passage, it says that they're more noble for two reasons, Okay. Both having to do with the same thing. The first thing it says is they received the word. They received the preaching. They received God's word with eagerness. I love that word. Eagerness. Um, expectation. Anticipation. Looking, looking forward to it. Right? With, with, with excitement, they're, they're receiving God's word. They received God's word with eagerness. I mean, picture that all of us, right? All of us are eager for something. Now, we get eager about certain things in, in our day or in our life, 
Some of you, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's like, man, I am eager for 5 o'clock. I'm eager for it to be 5 o'clock. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I see some of your guys' statuses. Uh, Bob can't wait till 5. I think that was one of them, Bob, right? Um, looking forward to 5. Looking, you know, I can't wait to get home with my family and my kid. And I, I'm just so excited to get home. I'm looking for, it's eager. That's eagerness, right? That's anticipation. That's ex- excitement. That's, and, and all of us have those things, right? Every day we have those things. We're eager for something. We're anticipating something. We're excited about something. Well, what it says here is that, that the Bereans were more noble because that's how they came to worship. They were anticipating God speaking to him, to them through his word. They were excited. They were eager to be preached to. They were eager to get into God's word. There was an eagerness. Can you imagine like if week in and week out, and maybe maybe some of you are like this. In fact, I know some of you are like this. I've talked to you. And, 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 but can you imagine if week in and week out, there was no fighting. No fighting in the house. No arguing in the house. It's just like, you know, it'd be like if you told your kids, we're going to Disneyland today. Get up, we're going to get dressed, and we're going to Disneyland. That would be eagerness in the house, right? There would be such excitement and eagerness to... To, to, to go to this, this wonderful, happiest place on earth, right? Wouldn't it be wonderful if week in and week out, week in, and this is what, what I get the feeling of, is, is here that it was just a constant, man, if, it was, if it's church day, it's eager day. I wake up and I get to go to church today. I've worked all week long, and, and this morning I get to, I get to go and I get to, I get to look at God's word. I get to worship him. I get to sing to him. I get to hear from his word. His word is going to be taught. And, and I get to hear that. I get to be a part of that. And, and I'm just so anxious. I'm so excited to get there. That's the picture I get of the Bereans. It says they were more noble because they, they received God's word. They, just, they took it and received it with eagerness, with excitedness, with anticipation. And then it says not just that. They didn't stop there. It said they received it with with eagerness. But it says that they examined the scriptures daily to see if the things they were taught were true. So they're excited, right? They're going and they're going to they're going to be preached to. They're going to hear God's word and then they hear it and they're excited about hearing it. But then what did they do? They didn't just nod. They didn't just go, amen. Good job. Hey, great teaching today, Rabbi. That was Mm, that was good, man. That one thing you said, man, that got me. Like, I really felt that. And it wasn't just that. It was like, Rabbi, I, I think that was good. I'm going to go home for the rest of the week. I'm going to study the scriptures, and I'm going to make sure that what you told me is truth. I'm going to study it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to examine God's word, and, and I want to know if what you said matches up with what God says. Can you imagine, can you imagine a church of people that just, they're just so excited to receive God's word, but they're just not listening and, 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 and taking someone's advice. They're not just coming together to, 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 to listen to somebody talk and then, and then say, yeah, that's pretty good. They go and examine the scriptures to see, is this truth? Is what you're saying from God, is what you're saying accurate? And if so, I'll believe it. 
and I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. I'll put it into my life. I'll put it in my practice. So it says they examined the scriptures daily. I, I, I picture that. You know, Paul and Silas preached, and then the people go, and they search the scriptures. And like, yeah, okay, yeah, I see that. Okay, he's saying Jesus is the Christ, and he says he had to suffer. Okay, let's see. Let's, let's look and see. Does it say that in, in the law, in the Old Testament? Okay, I see that. What's the fruit of that? What's the fruit of a heart that, that, that is anticipating God's word and, and then examining the scriptures to see if what is, was being said is true? The next verse, verse 12, says, Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Many of them therefore believed. Remember, um, you've probably heard this all growing up, uh, when you see the word therefore, you're always supposed to look why it's what it's there for, right? Okay, just a reminder, when you're reading your Bible, you see the word therefore, when you start on that verse, go back. Why is it there? Why did they say therefore? Well, why did he say it here? Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. They come together, they're eager to hear God's word, they examine God's word to see if it's truth, and then upon examining it and, and, and seeing that what these people are saying are true, they believe. That's exactly what God's word says will happen, right? We've, we've mentioned this verse a, a lot here, but Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes from hearing and, and hearing through the word of Christ. That's where faith comes from. And so as they go and they examine God's word, God's word gets implanted into them and God speaks through his word. That's what he promises he'll do. He says he'll speak through his word. And so as they examine it then, it, then then God speaks through his word, and faith comes from that word, the word of Christ. And as their faith is increased in God, then this happens. They believe. They believe, and they come to know Christ, and they're saved, and they're radically changed because of God's word and because of the heart that they have towards God's word. We'll get back to some of that in, in uh, just a minute here, but... Um, it goes on in the passage in, in uh, verse 13. It says, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Now, we don't know how they found out, right? Uh, we don't know how word got back from Berea to Thessalonica that these Jews that were already ticked off at Paul and Silas, they find out, now they're preaching the word there too. They're preaching the gospel there too. So they get together and they come to Berea and they're going to stir up the crowd in fact they do they stir up the crowds there too against Paul and Silas and against this teaching and so they come and they stir it up and just like from place to place to place here's this opposition from the enemy and and, and he's using the Jewish leaders to bring this opposition right and, and so here's this opposition to them again where this whole crowd is stirred up against Paul and Silas and and thankfully uh, we've seen all of these people come to know Christ and believe in Christ before this even happened. And so it says that, that they agitate the crowds and stir them up. And verse 14 and 15 says, Then the brothers um, immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul, those who took him, right, um, brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So, You've got this, this, this crowd is now stirred up. Uh, many people have come to know Christ. They're saved uh, through Christ. 
And then it says that after the crowds are stirred up, that they, they immediately send Paul off um, for his safety, probably, uh, and send him off to the next place. But, but Timothy and Silas stay back. They're going to encourage the believers who have just come to know Christ. They're going to teach them. They're going to disciple them. That's, remember, that's the command that Jesus gave us before he left. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you, right? And so that's what they're staying back to do. They're teaching them and discipling them into what it really means to follow Christ. It's a great lesson that we've we've talked about that many times. Following Christ is not a decision that we make sometime in our life and then check it off on a card and then we're saved and then we're safe. Um, it's not a safety card. It's, it's, it's a following of Jesus Christ. He, he made that clear. He said, if you're going to come after me, you've got you to take up your cross and deny yourself, and not in that order, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's, it's denying me. It's the end of me. And, and it's taking up my cross and, and literally saying, Jesus, this is what happened to you for this and so I'm ready, and, and, and if this is what happens to me for this, I'm following you. I'm following you because you're the greatest treasure I could ever find. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a discipleship process. It's not that Paul and Silas would just come into this place and, and set up a stage and say, you've got to come forward, and if you don't come forward, you're going to go to hell, and if you do come forward, you're going to go to heaven. So you've got to come forward and then left. That didn't happen. Over and over, we would see that they would stay and they would disciple and they would teach what Jesus had commanded us to do. It's urgent. It's important. If, we, if we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're saved because of something we did, we're wrong. If we're saved, it's because of something Jesus did. And because of what Jesus did, we follow him and we become disciples of him and we, we, we treasure him and we we find out as much about his teaching as we possibly can, and we put that teaching into our life, not just into our head. That's following Christ. So they send Paul off, and, and we're going to pick up on that next week as he goes to Athens. But um, a couple of things from, from this passage, and I, I, I want to learn from the Bereans this morning. And so I want to talk about God's word and how are we receiving God's word um, as individuals and as a church how are we receiving? What are we doing with God's word? And so first thing I want to look at, and we're going to look at some passages this morning, a lot of scripture. And, uh, but, but the first thing I want to ask is, what does God's word say about itself? What does God's word tell us about itself? Uh, and a couple of verses that, that I want to look at. The first one is going to come up on the screen here. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. Uh, it says, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, I love this part, okay, because when, when Paul wrote that to Timothy, what did they have? Okay, what scripture did they have? The Old Testament, right? They had the law. They had the Old Testament. And so for those of us who have who've kind of bought into the, the Old Testament's boring, the New Testament's good. Uh, you should read the New Testament. Paul said all scripture and what he was thinking of and having was the Old Testament at the time is God breathed. 
It's spoken by God through people, written down, and it's profitable. All of it's profitable for us. In fact, it's profitable for, for different things. It's profitable for teaching us. It's profitable for reproving us, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness. How would we know how to live righteous lives except apart from God's word? How would we know? We wouldn't know. And so it teaches us in that. And the next passage is, is one that we just we talked about a few minutes ago, Romans 10, 17. It says this about itself. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I get from that this. My faith is increased or comes through Scripture. The more time I spend in God's Word, the more time I study God's Word, the more time I meditate on God's Word, the more time I am in God's Word, my faith is increased by that. That's where faith comes from. God uses His Word. He gave His Word on purpose. And that's how He speaks to us. And and that's how He increases our faith, is through His Word. The next passage is is, um, Hebrews 4.12. Such a great passage. Many of you have felt the truth of this passage in your life. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This verse is still true for me today. It doesn't matter how many times I've read the Bible. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible I've read. It doesn't matter. As I continue to come back to God's word, this is true. I'll read a passage that I've read over and over and over again. And as I'm before God and reading his word and meditating on it and and praying through it, it's like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for convicting me of that. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you for your word that teaches me and hurts me sometimes. Thanks for piercing through all of the crud that I've built up in my life to the deepest part of me and showing me, Tony, you need me. And you need confession and you need rightness through me. Thank you for that, God. I continue to see the truthfulness of this. God's word is living and active. It's not dead. It's not dead. And and, and, and listen, for those of you who, who... may you know you may have a easier time thinking okay god spoke through people and wrote it down and we have his word but now it's two thousand years later how can how can i depend on something that was written down two thousand years ago let me let me encourage you with this okay god let me encourage you with that if god loves us so much that he would use people and speak through them and have them write down his words, then God loves us so much that he will keep those words faithful, not for your sake, for his name's sake, for the glory of him. And and we could go, I mean, this is a total side sermon that we're not going to get into, but you look at the faithfulness of God through his word, and as you match up texts that we have found, hundreds and thousands of texts that have been found in the original language and they're the same they still say the same thing over and over and over again and finding from different parts of the world and 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 matching them up and it's god's word and it's still true and it's and god has been faithful to preserve it so that we have the richness of his word that we can take in and hear from him and so that so that it's living and active and it's sharp and pierces 
into the division of our soul and spirit. Another verse that, that I don't have up here that I, I just want to mention real quick is, is Romans 10, verses 1 and 2. I think this is hugely important. I've said this before, but in Romans 10, 1, Paul is talking about the Jewish people, okay? Uh, but I think it applies to us as well. And he says in, in, in uh, Romans 10, verse 1, he says, Our prayer for them is that they would be saved. That's our prayer for them, okay? Verse 2 says, For they have a... For they are zealous for God, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Our prayer for them is that they would be saved because they have a zeal for God. Man, they're passionate about God. They love God. They love the idea of God. They love coming and singing to God. They love when bands play big worship songs to God. And they love big, big concerts for God. And they love all these things for God. They don't know Him. They don't know God. And so they're not saved. That's what Paul says. That's Paul's words. They have a zeal for God. They have this incredible passion for God, but they don't know God. And so they're not saved. And our prayer is that they would know God. Guys, that's how we know God, is what he said about himself to us. So we get into his word and we find out about him through his word. And so what do we do with his word? What do we do with this word as we get into it or or if we're getting into it, if we're not getting it, what what should we be doing with this word? Um, A couple of passages on that. Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, verses four through nine. It's going to come up. It says, um, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here's the thing. Here's what I get from that passage, that God wants us to have his word held up high in our life he wants to talk us to talk about it all the time all the time no matter where we go no matter what we're doing whether we're in the house whether we're out of the house what we're doing should center around god and his word and, and i want you to think practically about this i want you to think practically how can i how can i do these things and, and practically even just thinking is it hanging in my house is his word in my house at all? Do I have it on the walls? Do I have it in front of me? Do, is his word there so that I'm just surrounded by God's word? Do I have it always before me? I thought this was, this was great. Bob was sharing this this past week, um, Wednesday morning for the first Wednesdays for guys. And, and uh, he was sharing with us how he and Katie have stolen this idea, right? Um, in their car. Katie did. Good job. Um, but how a, a lot of you get business cards all the time, right? And, and, uh, and, and how they're taking business cards now when they get them. They flip them over and they write a verse on the back of it and they keep it in their car. So every stoplight now for Bob, he's picking up verses and, 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 and uh, business cards, flipping them over and just looking at the Bible verse. He doesn't care about the businesses. He cares about God's word. Give him your card, all right? And, and so just over and over, having God's word in front of him. And guys, that's just a practical thing. It's just a simple, practical way to keep God's word in front of you. That's what God wants us to do with his word. If you have a family, talk about it. 
Talk about God's word. Talk about it around the dinner table. Actually obey it. And, and as you walk together or, or whatever you're doing, just talk. Teach it to your children. As you teach it to your children, you'll be teaching it to yourself. Talk about God's word. Be practical and do what it says. And have God's word as a high, high value in your life. The last passage we're going to look at is, is uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9 and then uh, 14 through 20. It's a parable that uh, Jesus teaches. Mark chapter 4. It's going to come up on the screen if, if you uh, don't feel like having time to flip there. But let me start uh, verse 1. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's jump down to verse 14. This is Jesus explaining what he just said to the masses, to his disciples. The sower sows the word. Okay, the seed, what he's saying is the seed is the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold. And a hundredfold. A couple things real quick about this passage. Um, Jesus explains in verses 14 through 20. What he's talking about in verses 3 through 9. When he told this. We, the people that were listening. This big crowd is gathered right. The people that are listening didn't get verses 13 through 20. They didn't get that privilege. Jesus said. Farmer goes out. He has some seed in his hand. He throws some. Some lands on the. The, the, the hard ground and the birds come and take it away. Some lands on rocky ground. It grows up. It only lasts a short time. Then it dies. It withers and dies when the sun hits it. Uh, some on, on uh, thorny ground. The thorns come up. They choke it. It dies. And then some land on good soil and there's a great crop. That's the sermon that most of the people got. That's it. That's where he stopped. That's where he walks away. And he finished it up. Hey, if you understand, great. If you don't, sorry. And that's it. The disciples come to him and they're like, hey, what? What's that all about? Like, what are you talking about? And so he breaks it down for them and, 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 and helps them to understand what he was teaching. And what he's saying is, listen, the seed is the word of God. And when God's word is spread out, sometimes it's just 
it's just scattered. Uh, maybe like this, right? Okay, like preaching, and it's just scattered all over. And there's, there's different kinds of ground that the seed, the word, lands on. There's different hearts that the word lands on. Some of those hearts are hard. Some of the hearts are, are just hard, and, and, and just like a road where the seed lands on the road, and it, it can't go into the road. It's just sitting on top of the road, and it's just there. And so then all of a sudden, Satan comes along. As soon as that seed hits that hard road, Satan comes along. The birds come along, as he explains it, right? And picks up the seed, God's word, and takes it away. And it has no chance to get into the person's life. And some people, as, as, as they're sitting out and God's word is spread out, they're like um, rocky ground. They're like the rocky ground. And the seed comes and, and it goes in. And they think, man, that's pretty cool. That's a great Bible story. Man, God did that? God parted the water. You're kidding me. God parted the water and that many people walked through and then boom, it closed and killed all the other. That's unbelievable. Jesus died. He did that like and they get so excited about God's word and then they go away. But they didn't really believe it. And so when they see the other things that are going on in the world and things that look a little better to them than the story they just heard in Sunday school, then they see those things and they're like, well, that's pretty. I forgot about that. Like that was cool. But wow shopping that's pretty cool too like i like that too and so they they get the cares of the world involved and it's like jesus ah that's okay i'm gonna go this way and then you got other people are sitting out there and he says that the word comes out and lands on them but it's 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 thorny ground and and, and so they they get god's word and and it starts to grow but then all of the other things, the, the things that worry them and, the, and the, the cares of the world, all these things that, that are distracting them choke out God's word because they become more important than God. Now, remember that passage that we've talked about so many times, Matthew 13, where it says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field and, 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 uh, that a man found. And, and upon finding it, he covered it up. And in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has to get the field. That's the picture that the rocky and thorny ground is not. They may, have, they may have heard and they may have got excited about God's word, but God wasn't their treasure. God wasn't the greatest thing in the world to them. And so as soon as something else comes in, it's like, ah, that was cool. This is way too important for me to give it up for that. But then he says there's this ground, there's these hearts that when God's word goes out, it lands on these hearts and they're good soil. They're prepared. They've been readied for the receiving of the seed and the seed falls. The word falls on those heart and it goes deep down and roots grow deep down into this heart and they receive it and they believe it. And all of a sudden it's not just joy, but it's joy and fruit and abundance and just living for God and for what he wants and all the other things, all those cares that everyone else is worrying about all the struggles and, and worries and all the quote-unquote treasures that everyone else is worried about. They're like, Jesus, it's you, your word. I believe it, and I accept it, and I'm going to live for you. Guys, here's what I encourage you from that passage. Pray, 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 pray that God makes you the good soil. Pray that you come as good soil. Listen, honestly, to listen to the to the Acts 17, 10 through 15, it's a it's it's awesome. I mean, you think here's a group of people and it says that they were all they're more noble because they all came excited for God's word and they examined it daily to see if it was true. Man, that's really neat. But guys, we can't look at that and think, 
Oh, that would be cool, but it's not ideal. We ought to beg God that that's us. Because, listen, there's good soil, and then there's the other soils. There's no pretty good soil. The pretty good soil didn't believe. The pretty good soil didn't accept God's word. They ended up rejecting it. And, and, and guys, we, we ought to come begging God to make us the good soil. We ought to, the only soil that produced fruit was the good soil that received God's word. And my encouragement is beg God that you're that soil. Here's what I want to do, okay? Um, I want to take um, a volunteer this morning, all right? And here's, here's the qualifications. Who's hungry? Just be honest. <laughs> Brian, come here, all right? They're going to be so ticked at you, Brian. Okay. Do you like cheesecake, bro? I do. Do you really? Okay. All right, here we go. This is cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake, all right? Can I cut you a piece, bro? I love that. Okay. All right. Oh, I hope you guys smell that. Let's do this right here, my friend. Brian's my friend. Look at that, dude. Yeah, I know. Hang on here. Look, at he's like walking ahead. Like, just put it in my mouth. Okay. That's what I'm oh. talking about, dude. There you go, dude. Well, let's know, man. Is that good, dude? Are you full? No, not at all. You're not full. All right, here's my question. Honestly, here's my question, all right? What if we treated food the same way we treat God's word? I mean, truthfully, what if we treated God's word or food the same way that we treat God's word? That's really, honestly, a picture of how we treat God's word so often. You can take this piece and go, bro. Totally yours, all right? When I get hungry, you know what I do? I eat. I eat. It's a blessing. I love eating. If you've been around me when I eat, oh, man, it's wonderful, okay? It's such a blessing. But here's what happens. We get hungry, okay? And, and, and we feel this, this lack of nourishment, right? We feel hunger pains. We feel, uh, we feel weak, right? We feel these, these tendencies that come when we're hungry, we have these feelings inside of us, and we know it's hunger. I feel these hunger pains. I feel weak. I feel like I need to eat, and I need to eat now. So what do we do? We eat, and 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 we eat until we're full, and then we don't just stop there. We like three, four, five times a day. And why do we do that? Because we don't want that feeling anymore. I don't want that terrible feeling to come back. I don't want an awful feeling of hunger to come back. I don't, I don't like that feeling. I, don't, I can't stand that feeling of hunger. I can't stand that embarrassment of my stomach growling in the middle of church when all these people are sitting around me. That's embarrassing. And, and I don't like that feeling of emptiness. I don't like that feeling of, of just being weak like that. I love to eat. Why don't we treat God's word that way? I mean, if we're honest, and, 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 and remember Matthew 4, verse 4, where, where Satan is tempting Jesus, and, and he offers him all, you know, he, he, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. 
like two hours, Brian. Come on. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And Satan comes and says, hey, would you turn that stone into a loaf of bread? That'd be pretty good. And Jesus could do it, right? He, Colossians 1 says he, he, he's in control of everything. He's holding everything together. He could do it. What was Jesus' response in, in uh, Matthew 4, verse 4? He's quoting Deuteronomy uh, 3, 8, or 8, 3. 8, 3. Um, ooh, okay, be the Bereans. Go back and check if I'm being honest there. Um, but he's quoting from the law, and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so if God's word is our spiritual nourishment, why don't we treat it like we treat food? And what would happen if we treated food the way we treat the Bible? We'd die, right? Most of us would die. We wouldn't live very long if we treated food the same way we treat the Bible. And if we're honest, guys, if we're honest, because really what we could do is sit here and say, well, it's so obvious when I'm hungry. It's so obvious when I need food. It's so obvious that because I, I feel it inside of me, I feel weak, and, I, and I, I, I feel that need for nourishment. Guys, if we are honest, you know when you are starving for God's word. I mean, you know those feelings. You know you're feeling those feelings. You, you know, maybe for some of you, you know what it used to be like for you. You think back and you're like, man, I look back at there and I think, man, I, Lord, I was so in love with you. I was so passionate for you. I was so bold for you. I was, I was living for you. My decisions, my direction was coming from you because I was basing my life on you and on your word. You remember those things. Some of you, you, you look around and you see people around you in your life and you're like, man, they're, they're full. <laughs> they are full of God's word. They are full of, of God's spirit. They are full right now spiritually. And you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm not that. I'm empty. And you know, you know that you're weak. You know that you're lacking in God's word. You just look at the Bible. I mean, honestly, guys, all of us, every one of us can probably say yes to this. You look at the Bible you look at what we just read today. You look at what we read last week. You look at what God is doing through people like Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and Peter and James and John and, and all these men who are completely devoted to God. And you, you look what he's doing through his church where over and over we see in, in the book of Acts and daily people are coming to know him and they were filled with the spirit and therefore filled with boldness. You look at those things and you say, man, I'd love that. I would love that. You know you're starving. You know you're hungry. And you feel it just as much as you feel food hunger pains. Why don't we run to God's word? And why don't we just not take a tiny piece and cut a tiny piece off and, and, and just, mm, oh, okay, that'll get me through the next month. Oh, for God to love the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish, should have everlasting life. Oh, thank you, Lord. Whew. Okay, I'm done. Whew, I can go on and, and then I'll be okay. Why don't we treat it like we treat food? And just get into it and start eating and eating and eating until we're full, until we're full. And then know, if I don't eat again today, I'm going to be hungry in the morning. I'm going to be really hungry in the morning. I've got to eat some more. I've got, to, I've got to schedule out some eating. Like, I've got to put eating in my day. I've got to plan to eat. 
And I've got to plan to eat God's word. I've got to be in it, and I've got to absorb it into my life. And, and therefore, I'm not just going to eat once in the morning. I'm going to eat today. I'm going to eat God's word until I'm full, and then I'm going to eat it so I don't get hungry again. So that I'm just filled with his word, and so I'm just filled with his spirit as his word lives through me. I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us that we would be like those in Berea. That we'd be those people. That we would come together. That we would come together eager. I get to hear God's word. I've been feasting on it all week long. It's been delicious. It's been so good. You've taught me so much through your word this week, God. And now I get to hear it taught, and I get to respond. I get to sing. I get to rejoice. I get to let out all this stuff that you've just put in me this week. I'm just going to explode upward with what you've done through your word this week. I'm eager to come together with the body. But I'm also going to go, and I'm going to examine your word this week. Every day, I'm going to look in it, and I'm going to examine it, and I'm going to put it in my mind and in my heart. And I'm going to make sure that that guy Tony's telling the truth. I'm going to make sure that he's not just talking, and, and I'm not just nodding my head. I'm going to make sure, is he telling the truth? Is what he's saying accurate? Is it truth? Is God's word saying that? And if it is, it's God's word, and so I've got to do it. I've got to obey it. I have to obey it. God, you said, do it. And if I don't do it, I'm disobeying you, not Tony. I've got to do it. How would we be those people that leave and just feast this whole week on God's word. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us through it. Thank you that you do give us hunger pains, that you do make it obvious when we're not walking with you. You do make it obvious when we're not feasting on your word. You do make it obvious when we're not holding you as as the high, wonderful, glorious standard that you are. You do make it obvious. God, give us the faith. Give us the love for you. Give us the fear of you. Give us the desire for you to go and dig into your word and to not give up. To never think that we're full and we don't have to come back to it. But to fill up and then to keep coming back so we're not getting hungry Lord, just staying filled with you and filled with your spirit. God, what would this church be like if you did that in us? What would we be like? What would our lives be like directed, directed and consumed by your word? As good soil that just takes it in and and lets it produce root in our life so that we so that we're producing fruit outwardly. I pray I pray for that. I beg you for that, God. I love you and I thank you for, for all that you've given us in Christ, for your grace and for your mercy. And I thank you that there's no one here that's outside of that grace and mercy. If we come, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness to credit to us the same righteousness that Christ lived in his life. You're faithful and you're merciful and you're good. God, work in our hearts, work in us to produce what you desire. We pray in your son's name. Amen.